0: Hello and welcome to Faithful Through and Through, a podcast celebrating Celtic supporters clubs from around the world. I'm Chris Gallagher and today we'll be hearing from a couple of CSCs at home and abroad. First up, we're on our way to Linwood as we talk to Michael and Anthony McElhinney from the Peter Scarf Celtic Supporters Club. The Peter Scarf Celtic Supporters Club is one of the oldest supporters clubs around. Located in Linwood, it was formed in 1947 and it's named in honour of the great Peter Scarf, former inside left for Celtic. A talented and skillful player, Peter played 112 times for Celtic and scored 55 goals between 1928 and 1933. After taking ill, he was forced to retire from football and exactly two years after, On the 9th of December 1933, at the age of just 25, he died prematurely of tuberculosis. The club honours his legacy and during lockdown they took over St Conville's Club in Linwood and they've turned it into their own premises. Let's hear from Michael and Anthony. I'm joined now by Michael and Anthony McElhoney, who are both members of the Peter Scarf Linwood CSE. Hello, gentlemen. How are you?
1: Not bad, Chris. How's yourself?
0: Not too bad. How are you, Anthony?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Uh, Lovely to get you involved. Uh, What what an interesting... What an interesting uh, CSE and, and story this is. I didn't really know much about Peter Scarf uh, other than, you know, the name and, you know, that obviously people talk about him with a lot of kind of legacy and stuff. Um, but we can talk about that overall. Just tell us about the club kind of as, as a kind of practical point of view, you know, where you're located, member numbers, how it works. Talk us through that, if whoever wants to go first.
2: Um, we're, we're located in, in, in Um We've now, we used to sort of the, the the bus used to do the the round the houses of all the different pubs in Limwood, but we've got our own uh, got our own social club now. Uh, so the bus exclusively picks up for there. And you know, we've had bother over the years we different pubs wanted us, then didn't he want us, then you know, didn't want the football crowd, so now we don't need to worry about that. We've got our own place to, to pick up from. But um I think in terms of members, I mean it's a full a full seventy seat We're running um every week, you know, and there's uh, quite often folks standing as well. Uh, it's a really, really well attended club. Um Formed in 1947, so it's, I think it's got to be one of the it's the 75 years. So it's got to be one of the the oldest supporters' clubs still still going. You know, yeah. Probably it's probably called a break club, club originally. it's that old?
0: Yeah, that's 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 really really good, Anthony. You are the bus convener. Talk us. Yeah, through, connect,
1: ta- Yeah,
0: talk us through that, please.
1: Um, so I would go around collecting the money. <laughs> sure, everybody loves me for that. <laughs> and then uh, book the bus driver um, keep a wee note in my book who owes money and stuff like that as well So, <laughs> and then I run it with my cousin and her husband so they deal with other parts but sometimes if they're not there I would go around and collect away tickets for an upcoming match or whatever as well So
0: That's great, yeah. Do you, do you obviously is it just home games you go to? Is it away games? What's your kind of uh,
1: yeah? Yeah, it's just home games. We don't get enough away tickets to run our own bus for away matches but as Michael said Seated every week for our home matches.
0: That's fantastic. Really, really, really cool. Um, so, I mean, you, you've mentioned Michael that your kind of family have been kind of involved for for quite a while. Talk us through that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit older than Anthony, uh, so he'll not remember the nineties. But my dad, <laughs> um, he was bus convener during the nineties, um, and I mean, one of my earliest memories of going to the games was '96, and we were running. A, it was a mini bus, and for some reason, my dad was driving it, and we had to leave early. <laughs> And anyway, we were playing Mullerwell and it was nil-nil when we left and we heard this roar go up. And there was a guy who had like one of those wee handheld radios and he's like, It's Pierre so he'd scored in the last minute and I was crying all the way home. But like that's back when things were not going so good and we were running minibuses and I the the difference between then and now is ridiculous. But yeah, my dad um dad ran it for, for uh convener for a lot of years. He he ran a couple of European away buses as well, um, Chirin and Stuttgart. Um the cheering one, I think. I think we picked up. I think it was a win, win the Tim, um, CSE, and Leeds and stuff like that. So we get new relationships with different, um, with different supporters' clubs. We could, um, we're saying there about away tickets as well. We generally share with the and um, number one um, from Johnson. Um, so we we get quite a good relationship with, with different supporters' clubs. Um, in fact, I'm not totally off topic, but my dad's got a wee plaque for the St Peter's. Uh, supporters club in I Belfast.
1: Actually that and they,
2: the they used to, they used to go over, um, and have nights out with them. And they would come over and you know, folk for the bus would, folk for the would put up the boys to Belfast when they were coming over for games and stuff like that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Did do, do you have like nights, Anthony, where you kind of like you know g- get money for the supporters club? And do you, is it very much like a like a social club as much as it's uh, kind of going to the games?
1: Yeah. Well, as Michael said, yeah, we've just. During last season, it was, well, the day it opened was when we beat the Huns at eh, our on Social Club, so we've had a couple of nights, obviously, you need to keep money for the Social Club, so a lot of the money stays in there, and then we, for the bus itself, it's usually just folk paying their membership money, paying for the bus every week, non-members paying and stuff as well, but. Yeah, for the social club, we had a night with Chris Sutton recently, so that was really good. Uh, he
0: came there a speaker's night, so... Um, we, I used to be part of the, uh, I don't know if you know the Southside uh, Kelly's, the pub on Paltrow, it's not there anymore, but me and my sister used to be there, and um, our, our, our player of the year was Peter Grant. Um, I, I fucking, I'm just still as confused as ever, but my my sister loved Peter Grant, so like, you know, the, the players coming to the supporters club, like, I think is, like, huge, like, such a, a big thing, gives it a certain level of legitimacy. What was it like, kind of, hanging out with Chris Sutton?
1: Oh, it was really cool, aye, um, just a brilliant night, just boys stories and everything, and my wee nephew was there as well, and my nephew, he plays football, and he was just brilliant with him, like, just giving him part around that. So he was loving it as well.
0: Love it, absolutely. Great stuff. What you, you mentioned your first memory, um, Michael, or one of your first memories. What about yourself, Anthony? What's your kind of uh, memories of kind of first kind of getting involved with the Sports Club?
1: Well I, I don't know the exact season that I first got my season ticket, but I'd have probably started going kinda end of Stratton, start a Mowbray sort of year. That's probably when I started going then I think I got my first season ticket, Lennon's first season. So, pretty good times to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Constant winning leagues. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Aye, constant celebration,
0: obviously. Um, was there like. Um, it's interesting because obviously Celtic are in such a. I mean, look at his nine points clear, absolutely dominating domestically. Tough times uh, in European football, but hopefully that'll change. But, you know, since Rodgers came in, obviously there was a massive kind of upturn with kind of season tickets and all that. Does that affect the supporters uh, club and how that's run uh, Michael just in terms of obviously when Celtic aren't performing as well is there a bit of a drop off
2: uh, definitely I remember I was actually thinking about this earlier on when I was trying to think of like how the buses changed I remember there was a midweek game I went to under Dyla and I think there was 11 people on the bus and, and you know I mean mid- not not having a go at because you know midweek games it's it's a bit tough to get to be working all that but when you look now, I mean, uh, see the the won each game against Rangers at the end of last season. The the driver turned people away with too many people on the bus, you know, and it just shows that turned him. Um, he was he uh, was running for uh, to be a Tory councillor the following week, so that it probably explains why he turned a few folk away. But um, Jesus, yeah, just it's it's, it's mad scene. The it, it definitely does it makes a difference. But I think even when things haven't been great or bus. Over the last few years, there's been a pretty consistent core, um, and I think even if even if there was a drop off, I mean it showed after after the last season after COVID, it'd been a terrible season for us. And first game back, or, you know, when the stadium opened up full, it, the bus was packed, um, and I think everybody, I think yeah, we've got a good core group that go in the bus, and I think it's going to. The the bus is going to be successful for a long time. I think it's it's going to be well attended.
0: Uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, you mentioned uh, about you know St. Conval's. That's your kind of base of operations. I've seen some of the pictures. Um, Barry sent me kind of uh, a picture of of him. He was there last week as well. Um, it looks incredible. Like really, just unbelievable. Talk us through the process of how that all came about.
2: We well, we had a, the the Gombos was always just a social club, um, and we'd had a couple of nights in it, but I think it was you know it was it was a, a kind of elderly membership numbers were dwindling, and it's the the local the Gombos church that still own it because it, it was an old church,
0: yeah,
2: um, and I think so they, they basically t- taken over the lease uh, and they've done it so we were having what AGM just a bus AGM one day, and just. Everyone went quiet and a couple of folk went and stood at the went, used it at the first meeting of the, the Peter Scarf Social Club. and um, Love it. I mean, the building needed a lot of work. There was, like, cardboard on the floor outside the guy's toilets because it was just standing water. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was 40 bits and it hadn't been done up in years. And then it was... It, there was a lot of people who done a lot of work for free. Uh, you know, just went and hey, went, will do whatever. Um I think the roofing the roof needed a lot of work, so that kinda of put it back up quite a long time. Um but when you look at the difference in it now it's 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 absolutely incredible. So it was just a lot of volunteers basically. It was almost like the building of the, the you know, the setting Celtic part when it was all, you know, I will we'll just get all the Irish into debt for free. It was yeah. that's that's what it was like and you say you've seen it yourself, it is, it is unbelievable, You wouldn't, and when you see it from the outside, it still just looks like this really old dilapidated building, and then you go in and you're like, it's just this absolute, it's, it's, it's literally wee paradise, it's, it's absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, Anthony, obviously you, you take a little bit to do with, you know, the, the running of the bus and all that, do you get involved in helping with, you know, the running of the social club as well?
1: Uh, I've done a couple of shifts behind the bar, um, so whenever I'm needed for that, for talking to you are struggling for somebody behind the bar, or other, they will ask me because I've got a way better experience. So take to do with that, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um it, it just it, it's becoming something kind of bigger than just a, a, a like a, a supporters bus. Obviously a supporters bus is very important, right? Very a, a, a massive part. It's like one of the veins of, of the club overall. Um but the supporters kind of social club and all that, Michael, it kind of takes on a kind of bigger sphere of, of what you're trying to do.
2: I um and I think it wouldn't be possible if we did. We that I was talk, talking about earlier about this sort of you know this core group and go on the bus and are there all the time. That you wouldn't be able to run the club if it wasn't for these guys putting money behind the bar. Some of them like Anthony taking time out to do a shift behind the bar and stuff like that. Yeah. So it it only works because of the membership. Um and you see it is a bit bigger. We've, we've tried to do some sort of charity things as well. Um. I think we actually got you some 9-0 badges
0: of course
2: um, a few years ago yeah. and put some money into the food bank uh, in Renfrewshire so I it's, it's it, I think it is more than just a sort of supporters club it sounds so cheesy but it is a bit more than a supporters club there's a real, like, a real togetherness a real bond and everybody it's, it's a big part of everybody's life it's not just going to the football it's, that's that's all your mates and for, for us it's all your family are involved and you know I it, it's, it's 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 not just a it's not just a bus going to the games. It's it's a lot more than that.
0: Yeah, and you know, it really kind of even just looking at your Twitter and and how things are working all that way. It just it seems like a lot more people know about it as well, which I think is really important. Uh, Anthony, you've got connections to Peter Scarf.
1: Yeah, so me and
0: Michael are Peter Scarf's great great nephew. So aye, that's that's incredible. Um. Aye. What is it about, you know, his kind of legacy that you thinks kind of sets him apart a little bit?
1: Just, well, obviously Paul Lambert, he was from Linwood as well, but just knowing that there was somebody from Linwood that played with Celtic, it's just something amazing about it, and then obviously he was signed from St. Combo's amateur team uh, that club's still going as well, my wee nephew, he plays with St. Combo's currently, and it's just all those wee connections, you're like it's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. Michael, your thoughts on it? Well, I think
2: it's, it's, it's a good thing about the club is these stories. Because you know, see, when you a lot of people do ask who is Peter Scarf? Yeah, and you know most Celtic fans will be able to tell you about Johnny Thompson. You mentioned Johnny Thompson, don't know his story. Peter Scarf was on the park that day and was dead himself in two years at twenty four. But when you look at look at his, like he scored fifty five goals in one hundred and twelve games. Had it not been for illness and his early death, he could have been like one of the greats. He would have been mentioned up there. With, and that's maybe being biased, but I think he would have been mentioned up there with some of the Celtic's best players. Yeah, um, an incredible talent, and a really a, a, a tragic story. And I think it's great that the club. Keeps it, keeps his name out there. It, the, 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 I mentioned that the the social club is in a chapel. It's where, that's where that is where he was christened, and it's where his funeral mass was held, and now it bears his name. Um, so I think it's it's great that the club keeps that going. Um, and it's that you know that on Twitter and all that, his picture's seen these stories told, because there is a lot of people that that don't don't know his story.
0: Yeah, I I, I was just reading a report on the, the fantastic Celtic wiki as always. Um, one report following his debut. I just love this. The new boy Scarf brought by Celtic from Mary Hill Habernin is a gem of the first water. From the first kick, his moves were those of a master. There was mind and meaning behind every manoeuvre, and the way he made the game for his mates was just a joy to behold. You often hear the phrase, peach of a pass. Verily, Scarf's passes are the juiciest peaches. <laughs> absolutely, I absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, you know, 55 goals in 112 games. Um, you know... The tragic story of, of him passing away two years after, you know, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, that game playing against uh, Johnny Thompson, or with Johnny Thompson, um, really, really tragic. I think it's something we'll, we'll certainly kind of dig into a little bit more. Why do you think Celtic supporters clubs, CSEs in general, why do you think they're so important? Start with yourself, Michael.
2: I think, like I said earlier, it does go beyond. It's not just transport to a game. If you were just looking for transport to a game, you'd you'd take the car or you get a train. It's about the 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 people you go with. It, for for us, it's it's family. I mean, you go on a, a bus, any you you're you're no more than a a spit away from like a Michael on that bus. Do you know what I mean? Like, my <laughs> my my dad. You know, cousins, my nephews. Uh, I've started taking my wee boy to the games now as well. Your your pals and the the, the sort of I don't know. There's a real feeling of camaraderie when you go in the bus. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's even it's like a, a, as a wee club outside Celtic. That's just us. Um, and I, I think you you don't get that going in the train. Yeah. Going with a bunch of strangers. Do you know what I mean? You, you, Everybody get their own seats where they like to sit and. It, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to put any words, but it's just it, it's it's more than just getting getting to the
0: game. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, that you know, it's it's more than just uh, transport. It's a family, I would probably say. Um, yeah, uh, Anthony, um, just kind of y- y- your final thoughts. You've you've been doing it for a while. You're the bus convener You get the biggest, most important job on the bus. Do you go around with the hat and get get some money in for the driver at the end of the end of the shift?
1: Oh well, that's when I first started going the bus. That was always my wrong. So I've made my way up. Um So that's my wee nephew's job now. He gets in
2: the <laughs> <laughs> right. Anthony. It uh, was promoted for driver's bonnet to bomber card <laughs> taking <vino>. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, listen, this, it's yeah, this has
1: been
0: this has been really really good. Uh I, I think it would be. to maybe uh, do a little bit at at the club if if you'll have us at some point Um, but Michael and Anthony uh, from the Peter Scarf Linwood CSC, thank you very much.
2: Thanks very much a genuine pleasure
0: From Linwood, Scotland to Detroit, USA we're faithful through and through The Detroit Celtic Supporters Club are Michigan's first and only CSC Sean Kelly is the founder and president of the Detroit CSC and takes great pride in linking up and connecting with CSCs close by as well as others around the world. We spoke to Sean to find out more about his passion for Celtic and why he founded the first Celtic Supporters Club in Michigan. Joining me now is Sean Kelly. He is the founder and president of the Detroit Celtic Supporters Club. Hello, Sean. How are you,
3: sir? Great. Thanks for having me on, Chris.
0: No bother at all, man. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you, you've got a, quite a, a great pro, um, a presence on Twitter, on social media and stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sean Kelly.
3: Uh, so I live in Detroit, Michigan, in the States with my fiance. I've been obsessed with Celtic for 20 odd years and until recently I wasn't able to really have that community physically until we could finally get a bar and it's just been great stuff.
0: Great stuff man. Um, So are you from uh, Detroit originally? Have you you lived there your whole life? Uh,
3: My family's moved around. My family used to live in uh, Denver, Colorado but most of my life in Detroit, probably I don't know 25 years. Nice. Good stuff. Um, So, I mean, just
0: how did you get into Celtic? Obviously, with a name like Sean Kelly, I, am, I imagine yeah, there might be yeah, a yeah. bit of a family connection.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely an Irish-American diasporic thing. But how it happened for me is the old channel Satanta, the Irish sports channel, yeah. we randomly got that at our house. And I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And I had some buddies over, we were playing video games, playing the original Halo, probably. And I remember catching it. I remember seeing Larson, I remember seeing Bobo Balde, I remember seeing Stan Petrov, and it was that era Celtic. And I had never seen European football at the time. You know, this is probably 2002. The commercials for like Joga Bonita had just started to come on YouTube and like Ronaldinho and all these players. So I see them, I immediately looked them up on the early internet. Find out that's a club of Irish diaspora in Scotland, and kind of got hooked immediately.
0: Yeah, brilliant stuff. I mean, obviously, we uh, I'm of Irish kind of. Uh, my mum's from Donegal and stuff. Where where is it mm-hmm. your family are from? And
3: uh, oh, so my mom's family is from Galway. My dad's from Tyrone and Leash. Beautiful. Um, have you do you get yeah. over much? Uh, I was actually spent two and a half weeks in Ireland this summer never been to scotland still
0: though oh cool uh you need to get over for a game that's the kind of uh
3: next year or so i definitely will now that i have a much better job so i'll be able to make it work
0: lovely stuff um so obviously this um you've started a a supporters club um can you Mm -hmm. tell me how how that kind of came about
3: yeah so we have a local grassroots football club here detroit state football club that started in 2012 and um Pretty immediately, I started meeting people in the community who, you know, America's weird. Soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is so new here. So all these people come out of the woodwork. Everyone has a club. A lot of them are Chelsea or Man United or what have you. And I slowly started to meet people who knew of Celtic. I didn't really know people growing up who knew Celtic. I had to have the internet to just chat with people overseas in Scotland and Ireland to even have an outlet so i started to slowly meet people the problem was it was all their second teams and that's just how it is um as you can imagine the premier league has more shine or real madrid or barcelona and unless they were you know really in touch with like their irish american heritage or something most people just didn't pay celtic any mind until i slowly like tried to show people the beauty of this club
0: yeah that's i mean that's the kind of Given the message putting the message across there about celtic i think is uh, a really amazing thing um mm-hmm. ov- obviously you, detroit what's detroit like as a city because obviously there's a lot of kind of we can only we know about it from the news and stuff and mm-hmm. you know my, my opinion on of it of, of, from what i've seen is like a really kind of working class kind of yeah. a great music scene uh yeah. an amazing kind of culture and stuff tell us a little bit about detroit as a city overall
3: Well, you're kind of bang on about the music scene. You know, it's very working class. The past 70 years, it's just been declining. 1950, after World War II, was one of the highest quality of lives in America. Just really, really wonderful factory jobs and just everyone was killing it. But for 70 years, you had people systematically taking funds out of the city. You had white flight. You have racial segregation. But still today, you have this vibrant music and art scene. You know, we've got one of the biggest electronic music festivals in the world. It's called Movement. And people from all over the world come to it and are just kind of amazed at how accessible club music is and like house music. So I would say it is, yes, a working class city, but we're a working class city that really can let its hair down and really knows how to have fun
0: yeah absolutely. um the recent midterms um mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's hopefully a level of change happening- in America. Talk us through kind yeah. of your thoughts on that,
3: oh, yeah, so the midterms have been great in my state of Michigan um we actually had abortion on the ballot, which is kind of shocking even to say out loud um after fifty years, obviously Roe v. Wade got overturned by our Supreme Court um we overwhelmingly voted to legalize abortion in the state. And as you can probably imagine, um, Detroit is a pretty liberal, pretty left-leaning town. Yeah, um, We won across the board, blue, blue, blue in Detroit, in Metro Detroit. Honestly shocked me. That segregation I mentioned, the suburbs around Detroit are, you know, like 80-20, white to black, where the city is the opposite. So everyone kind of worked together and fought for the same message. It was actually really beautiful. American politics are oftentimes pretty tiring, pretty depressing. But right now, I feel some hope.
0: Yeah, I, I, in regards to depressing politics, I think we're the world is surrounded by it currently. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing as well about um, you know the, the Celtic support, the political aspect. Is that something that really appeals to you?
3: Yeah. It it's kind of perfect timing. As I hit like 18, 19, 20, I was going away to university. I was, uh I was a history major. So I took a lot of politics classes and I really focused in on a few different subjects. Like I really, really focused in on uh the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So I was a teenager with the Palestinian flag as I'm becoming deeper and deeper into Celtic. And I see the green brigade doing all these things for Palestine. And it kind of like, emboldened me and just pushed me deeper into both sides, both the politics, the charity. I bring that Palestinian flag to every Detroit CFC match. And I have conversations with people. We have a large Arab community in Metro Detroit, but not everyone really knows what they see when they see it. And they say, Oh, what is that? And I explain the Irish and the Palestinians and how they work together. And it's a major part of our club. Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. Um, so the you you just mentioned there the the Detroit um, football club is it Detroit Detroit CSE? Uh
3: Detroit DCFC. DCFC, Detroit City FC. Lovely stuff.
0: Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about them. Have they got? They're not. They're not in the MLS. Are they? Nozzle. No,
3: they're second tier. So they're in the USL Championship. Um, started completely grassroots in 2012, like the neighborhood league in Detroit. I play in the guys who started that league started this club. They've moved up four or five divisions. It's a really, really beautiful club. There's been some stories in different magazines about it. It's just uh, very fan-built. Um, we helped rehabilitate the stadium and actually use paint and nails ourselves. And Amazing. It's kind of fan-owned, not fully. It's more of like they took X amount of fans' money to crowdfund, which yeah. – <laughs> Still helps. So I have a certificate, but it's not like I have shares. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I don't have a say.
0: Yeah. Um, so is there like quite a strong soccer culture in Detroit?
3: That's a hard question. I say no because five million people live in the metropolitan area, but we get seven thousand people to Detroit say match. So I say no. It's still very niche. But it is a diverse place. The problem is most of the people who live in Metro Detroit, like I said, it's a large Arab population. A lot of those people root for Real Madrid and Man United. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not helping my cause, but uh, yeah, there's people who, who are into soccer, just maybe not Celtic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in regards to obviously the, the CSC, um, mm-hmm. talk us through kind of actually, actually implementing it. Like what bar do you go do you use was it how was the Mm -hmm. process of setting it up
3: yeah so i was a bartender for many years which made having a csc hard just hour wise you know i mean bars close at two three in the morning here um so after i got out bartending i started asking people i knew who owned bars and that was the hardest part really because for the past decade or so you know i've been kind of kicking indoors and saying hey are you interested no one is no one wants to have people at their bar at seven in the morning in America, <laughs> you know, it's just not interesting. Um, but my fiance and I were friends with a, a couple who own a mom and pop bar in this neighborhood called Eastern market. It's an old open air farmer's market. Um, and there's a bar called collect that we go to. Um, it's a, it's a beer and wine bar. Basically I told them, I said, Hey, if you let me open this place up on Saturdays, I'll have a bunch of guys in there we will be drinking. You'll be making money before you open. Easy as that. That's basically it.
0: Great stuff. Um, and what's your kind of, uh, how often, uh, do you, do, is it every game you go to or is it just the weekend games?
3: Because obviously... Every weekend, yeah.
0: Right, so, see, during the midweek games, I'm guessing it's tougher to kind of get to with work and stuff.
3: Yeah, I did it once for some Champions League matches and it was just really tough to get out of work. You know, it's like two thirty, three p.m. here. It's tough. Um, I'll watch them at work and have a second screen and just like do whatever I have to. But uh the midweeks are really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um
0: what's it what's on the what's on the tap? What's on the tap at the the bar?
3: Oh, we've got lagers, we've got stouts, everything. The most popular though is uh the Miller High Life. It's just it's easy <laughs> drinking lager. Most Americans like it. The guys don't want to drink anything really heavy that early in the morning. Yeah. You know, I'll have a stout. We had Guinness for a while, but yeah, mainly Miller Highlight. Um
0: is it the same are you getting a sort of kind of what's your numbers regularly? Uh
3: regularly I'd say like fifteen people. The biggest we've had was close to thirty, which talking to other CSCs in the area, that's pretty good. Yeah. The downtown Toronto CSC. I went there for uh the Glasgow Derby in um I don't know, September. They had forty, fifty. The difference is most of the people there we're off the boat from Scotland. Yeah. You know, they've got a large Scottish population. It's a little different, so.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine that. Um, what are the kind of other sort of uh, kind of CSCs that are related? You mentioned Toronto there as our ones. Oh,
3: yeah. Kind of- we're really close with uh, Columbus. We actually took a trip this past winter to Columbus, about eight of us. It's a great time. Uh, the Windsor, Ontario CSE was the CSE that I first went to. Windsor's right across the Detroit River, so. You cross the border and go Windsor, Ontario. They have a decent sized CSC. Uh a bit older, not very active online. And as you know, in today's day and age, you have to use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to advertise yeah. to get those people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How do they um kind of the the owners of the bar, um how are they kind of finding uh being part of a CSC?
3: They they love it. And I tell the guys, I'm like, listen. They're not Celtic sports, so they say. Oh, can we hang a scarf? I'm like, they. It's not like that. It's not like Peter Browns in Dublin. Like you know, there's not flags everywhere. And I do love those CSCs, but they love that they have all these guys who have never been there before Celtic. They're getting exposure to a whole different group of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what about like um, your family? Are they big supporters as well?
3: Nope. No, no, nope, just me. Just, just, just me. Yourself. I. I try. I try. No, they're American football people. My sister went to University of Michigan, so she's big into that college football and no, just me. Ah,
0: disappointing. What about your girlfriend?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. Does she get any kind of uh Irish or Scots roots?
3: Yeah, Scottish. Her uh surname's Miller, so pretty Scottish. Good stuff.
0: Um yeah. in regards to the uh you know, um, your your plans to kind of come over is that something that you kind of really want to do to take in a game would that be your kind of big ideal
3: oh yeah yeah i was just waiting for our csc to become soluble because now i have a few flags being made and stuff like that yeah i've got so many thoughts about what i do when i finally get to glasgow like you know i've been talking to people for years and years over there uh i don't even know for where i'd want to sit what i want to sit like above the green brigade or be able to see them or i don't know i don't know
0: yeah um, it's like
3: a dream for me
0: yeah and hopefully you'll you'll get to to get get that opportunity um obviously celtic are going to australia for the yeah. um kind of uh, break currently um obviously and you know not too long, not too long ago we used to do tours of america i mean you must mm-hmm. be kind of really wanting celtic to get back to america so you can see them on your home turf
3: Yeah, I don't remember if the last one was Boston or Philly, but I was just a little too young. I want to say it was two thousand seven or something like that. And we talk about it a lot. Philly has several CSCs, and they have a big Celtic fail, and they keep saying, "Please come back." You know, there are certain cities with such a large Scottish Irish uh, population. Makes sense; they'll pack out a stadium.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the that's the money. There is a lot of money in that. I think, obviously. My biggest disappointment with the time that we had this season uh, because we mm-hmm. didn't have to qualify for the Champions League. It would have been nice to kind of head over um, to America and uh, potentially if, if we win the league and we qualify directly again, it would be great to do it. So hopefully you'll yeah. get that opportunity.
3: Yeah, yeah. You're telling me. Let's hope. Maybe Toronto. They have a lot there too.
0: Um, what's been the kind of big highlights uh, with, uh, you know, watching the games in the the CSC so far?
3: Oh, um, I guess while I was in Dublin, someone reaching out to me and asking about the CSC. Oh. I was wearing a CSC shirt. And that was nice because I lived in Paris for a short amount of time, was a part of the French CSC and have seen how like European CSCs are so different. And like here it feels weird. You know, we're Americans looking towards your culture and everything. Uh but having an Irishman being like, "Oh yeah, I'm on the hoops," and like chatting with him in line, I was at a Bohemians match, and it was just like kind of a beautiful moment. I was starstruck that someone wanted to talk about Celtic with me.
0: That's yeah, yeah that's that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. How long has the CNC, CSC been running? The Detroit CSC.
3: Ooh, uh, second season physically, eleventh year of me like building it. So brilliant stuff. Looks at how you want to look at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, how do you think the season's going this so far? Wonderful.
3: Nine points right now between us and them. Very, very happy with what we're building with the CSC. We're getting more people. And I'm not that worried right now if they're really like a Man United supporter who's looking towards another club. I just want to convert people. That's it. Like, yeah, that's all you can do. Absolutely.
0: What's been your um, your highlights? Kind of what we always talk about this on the cynic about you know favorite goals and favorite games. What's your kind of when you think of the great Celtic moment for you personally? What is it?
3: Oddly enough, I think it'd be uh, Samaras against um, Moscow where he took off his kit, oh. and I remember him running towards the corner. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those those goals where when I saw that, it was. I mean, obviously, you've got Wanyama against Barcelona. I remember that day like it was yesterday, but that Sammy goal was something else.
0: Yeah, and who, who's, your, who's your star man? What player really kind
3: of gets right you Right now? Yeah. Right. all-time?
0: Well, let's go both. Let's go all-time and then right now as well.
3: Ooh, all-time I love Balde. I wish we had a player like Bobo now be transforming. Um, but right now, it's Rio. Rio Hatate, I think, is miles better than he gets credit.
0: Yeah, he's an absolutely sensational player. Uh, Sean, this has been sensational. It's been really, really good. Uh, the Detroit uh, CSC. Um, give us the contact
3: details again. Oh, yeah. So our Twitter is at Detroit CSC. Um, and we are DetroitCSC.com dot com as well. Great stuff. Uh, Sean,
0: I, I'm sure we'll speak to you again. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, sir.
3: Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it.
0: This has been episode one of Faithful Through and Through. Thank you to Michael and Anthony McElhaney from the Peter Scarf Celtic Supporters Club in Linwood. You can find them on Twitter at Peter CFC, and they are based at St Conval's in Linwood. Thanks also to Sean Kelly, founder and president of the Detroit CSC. You can follow them on Twitter at DetroitCSC or you can check out their website, DetroitCSC.com. We'll be back speaking to another set of Celtic supporters clubs from home and abroad very, very soon. If there are any supporters clubs that you think we should be speaking to, drop us an email, editor at cynic.co. And let's just finish on a quote from the great Willie Mailey. This club has been my life, and I feel without it my existence would be empty indeed. Here, here, Willy.